Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. We appreciate you joining us today. I am uh, I'm thrilled to be here as we continue to celebrate the men and women who are working so hard in the trenches every single day to make coastal Mississippi and Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. Uh, hey, no big speeches to give today. I just want to move over to real quickly over to my friend Hunter Dawkins, and we're going. He's the uh, the owner and the publisher. Of uh, the Gazebo Gazette and a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News, got a lot of different things to talk about today, and I look forward to chatting with him. Before we go any further, let me just say good morning or good afternoon to you, Hunter. How you doing, my friend? Ricky, good afternoon. It's uh, it's been uh, it's always fun and adventurous to talk with you. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good time. I enjoy I enjoy watching you, as I often refer to uh, my friend. Uh, Cal Curley, the producer of the show, you're a jack of all trades. You're, you're involved in everything. As we talked about many times, to be a publisher, to be publisher of a newspaper, a local newspaper, and a uh, and a website, and to contribute the way you are toward toward uh, Super Talk Mississippi News, man, you got to do a bunch. You got to be hitting on a bunch of different cylinders. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, and I was lucky, Ricky, that uh, both of my parents were public servants for for long periods of time, and um, I think that I got that attitude of what it's like to be in public service and providing for the community. Yeah, well, it's you certainly you certainly feel that way. Hey, tell people, you know, we, we often skip past this, but let's not do this today. I want to remind people who don't know about the Gazebo Gazette. What is it? Where is it? You know, what, how do you get access to it online? Talk about that. I, I, I am a seven years ago. I bought the paper that was a paper that was produced after Hurricane Katrina. I think you know uh, Evelina. Burnett very well, as well as Chase Ponder, that ran the paper for the first, you know, eight, I guess I could say, 12 years, because we're currently in our 19th year. I know I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when we get to number 20, you know, with the celebration and all. But um, but we are a weekly newspaper released every Friday. Um, we're all around the West Harrison County community, and I also have a few friends and businesses in East Gulfport and some in Biloxi and even a little slither in Jackson County. But we primarily distribute in the Bay St. Louis, past Christian, well, which is where my main office is, is past Christian. And it's what we've, we're always going to be known as being the past Christian paper. But we also uh, represent Long Beach and part of West Gulfport. Wow. And, says, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And as far as uh, that would be on the print format, and if you're looking forward to being a digital subscriber, which I have a lot more, I, virtually there was no digital subscribers when I bought the paper. Now there's over, I believe, uh, 4,000 digital subscribers to get the R version of E-Type editions. 
and that that is pretty much distributed from all walks of life, from people all over the place. Um, but you can find, if you want to get a subscription to the newspaper, even though I do have a website which gives, I keep up with some news, just like, you know, your average newspapers. But um, the website is thegazebogazette.com. And if you want to take a look at that uh the website, you can go there and you can eventually subscribe there. Uh, the The online subscriptions are $25 for the entire year. You get 52 editions. Um, and if you want to print subscribe, if you live on the Gulf Coast, it's $40. And if you live anywhere else, it's 45 uh, If you live in Mississippi, and 50 if you live outside of the state. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome, man. Um, I have a lot of friends that are in the weekly business, and you've uh, you kind of found your niche even in the digital world. Not that you don't have a digital extension of what you do, because you clearly do. Sure. But, you know, we've gotten away from this, uh, you know, knowing and appreciating and reminding ourselves that – most uh, politics are local. You know, people want to be engaged in their local community. And you you try to make sure that people are informed about the issues that are taking place in the local communities that you cover. And that's really important to you, isn't it? Yes, sir. Absolutely. But even so, um, from the local format, I get uh, – I enter into a lot of these gubernatorial press conferences or upper state uh, level can, uh, people that are in office, you know, upper state level, when they hold press conferences, media press conferences, I know most of the staff and, uh, you know, just because of my time working in Jackson, Washington, D.C., and that gives me the ability to, to keep in contact with those people. And generally, in, during those press conferences, I ask local questions. Well, how is this going to affect our area? So, you know, that, that gives a little bit easier plat line for me to be able to, to write a story on that. Yeah, it's just it's really good. And then when you add to that the fact that you stay very much up to speed on what's happening over in New Orleans with the Saints – and with the Pelicans, you you pay close attention to what's happening at Southern Miss. In fact, I pulled up at Super Talk this morning. I pulled up the the uh, the section. What you can do is go to Super Talk Mississippi Media. You can either search his name as Kyle quickly reminded us, or you can hit click on sports. But when you see a story that's written by Hunter, you can click on his name, and all of the stories written by Hunter will pop up. And so what I see here is Southern Miss basketball. I see a little bit of Pelicans. I see a lot of Saints. If you go back even further, Saint, you, you've got Southern Miss football. Um, you've got a wide range of issues. And then, you know, you've, you've talked about issues that are important in Mississippi, like the health care disaster that we've had to deal with in this state and so on. But uh, you've got a lot of passions. And, again, you're a jack of all trades. I don't, I don't know how you do it, Hunter. I really don't. Thank you, Ricky. I certainly appreciate that. And, uh, you know, as much as I can provide for the community, um, it's as you've, you've known that. Uh, you and I have discussed that. That's the important part of, of where we're at in this uh, in this world. Well, listen, I've said this a lot on this show, and I think it's important to, to remind people of this. Supertalk's news effort is a is a really good news effort. It goes to we have contributing columnists, we have a new staff, 
Um, not only does it go to the 26 radio stations that are part of the Super Talk Mississippi Media, there are 12 stations that are part of the Super Talk Network, and then another 14 radio stations that are various music genres, so 26 total radio stations. And then on top of that, um, we have another, uh, let's see, 24 radio stations or 25 radio stations uh, that are not owned by Supertalk, but are actually part of the network. So they have a they have an ag network, they have a news network, and uh, that news network, when when news is made on our shows or news is made in this state, the team, the news team, gets their head around that, and so it goes in the form of voice news that goes into the radio stations. It also becomes news on our website, supertalk.fm. And whereas a lot of, uh, and you know this, uh, Hunter, this is not, this does not apply to you, but whereas a, a lot of the uh, the major statewide um, uh, organizations or, or news outlets are spending too much time reporting news that comes from all over the country in their yep. local news feeds, uh, Supertalk doesn't do that. When you go to supertalk.fm and sign up for the newsletter or you get the app or you go to supertalk.fm and just read the news that's there, it's Mississippi news all the time. It's a terrific effort. And um, I'm thrilled that you're one of the contributors to that effort. And with that with that said, actually, um, the Senior Bowl is about to take place in Mobile. And uh, as we know from from the Saints' participation participation of that, we have we have found some some gold nuggets in the Senior Bowl because of the, the way the Saints are engaged in that. You're actually going to be a fully credentialed uh, reporter over there covering that for Super Talk, and I say you know for yourself as well. Um, I'm excited to, to see you doing that. Well, and and Ricky, that's an important game. That's next to you know now that the college football season is done. It's an important factor, not only for for the NFL teams, but for these personal individual kids getting out there and giving them their best. For instance, in Mississippi, Boogie Watson, not too many people down here or NFL level know that name, but he was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year from Mississippi State, even though Mississippi State didn't have a great year. He had a great year, and that's a ability for him to showcase his talent to these NFL scouts or coaches that are there. Well, it's going to be it's going to be I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see your coverage from that because always always amazing players emerge into the professional ranks that come out of the senior ball. I enjoyed when I was publisher in Mobile when the senior ball took place because we had the opportunity. We were we were a major sponsor. Uh, we went to the luncheon with the players, and as you know, I mean, there's a lot of activities over there. It's not just a game. Sort of, they've got the practice, but the 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 city just rolls out the red carpet, and the kids are heavily involved, and uh, it's it's just good to see. I mean, the, the the entire community has their arms around the senior ball, and there have been uh, opportunities along the way to maybe lose that, but they've really really stayed focused on it, and it's as strong as it's ever been. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we'll continue our conversation with Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette and from Super Talk Mississippi Media. We'll see you after this.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the Citizens Bank Studio. I have my friend Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette and someone I really enjoy uh, checking in with. Inc- incidentally, Hunter, when when you pull up supertalk.fm, you have the ability with the finger to, to kind of move from story to story on the featured part, part of this. And one of the, the lead stories is hotel that Elvis used as a vacation spot and Capone as a hideaway. It's a story about Guff Hills. Uh, boy, Coast of Mississippi's got a lot of history attached to it, doesn't it? Exactly. And that's certain something that Supertalk does very well and uh they really get some uh some people involved in the stories and they they find things out both caleb and Alyssa and jt are leading the charge up there so they're there's a it's a terrific team they're doing a great job um Hey, listen, uh, so the Saints, let's, we'll, we'll kind of break it all down and, and go through s- several bits and pieces of this. I noticed I just got a breaking news story about P. Carmichael, the former offensive coordinator for the Saints. Uh, Jeff Duncan had uh, suggested that he might go to, to Denver that yep. because of his relationship with Sean Payton. And, That's in it. fact, he is. He's headed, he's headed to Denver. Uh, but he understands his role as sort of that number two in an offensive role. He never really wanted to be the offensive coordinator at the Saints. So interesting chain of events. More importantly, Ricky, is not just Pete was our assistant scouting director, Cody Rager. He left pretty much to be the, the director of scouting over there and the assistant uh, general manager, at least. And that's very important because I guess Sean is starting to realize, well, you know what? This worked for me over in New Orleans. So anytime they get rid of people, just bring them over here. And that's uh, that's an important uh, thing that we have to start to realize. And, you know, we're going to have to play the Broncos this year. Hey, listen, let's be clear, though, on the personnel side, we didn't get rid of anybody. <laughs> we yeah. we had one of the best personnel teams in the yeah. in the league, and, and so we fully expect there to be cherry-picking because they've yeah. made, you know, we don't always hit 100%. No one does, but we've had tremendous success finding the diamonds in the rough. Uh, down in the down in the draft, and uh, I I don't blame people for wanting to to come and get them. And of course, in, in Sean Payton's case, he has uh, full awareness of who's there and who he wants to have on his team, and he can offer them promotions. And uh, you know, I mean, how do you how do you fight that? How do you turn that down exactly? And I'm not necessarily sure. I haven't heard about. I knew that uh, there was some process of Jeff Ireland, the scouting director. Uh, having the interview with the the Chargers for the GM job, but I haven't haven't heard anything forward for that. So N- nothing new there. But what they had said is the the guy who went to to Denver would have been uh, potentially his replacement if Jeff Ireland were to be taken. So if we lose that's both correct. of those guys, yep. that's going to be a big big blow to the Saints. Uh, but you know, I, I've also heard stories that they're zeroing in on some possibilities as it relates to the offensive coordinator. Um, some of the some of the guys that were maybe first and second, maybe even third on the list that that the Saints had um, had identified and at least begun some conversations with, have all been 
picked by other teams to to go to other teams. So it's been it's been um, I I guess as a as a as someone who's been paying a little bit closer attention to it, a little bit frustrating really that the Saints have not been able to attract their guy. How, how close have you been following that? Well, I do know that Ronald Curry, the uh, the quarterbacks coach, he's got a lot of uh, he's getting a lot of. Uh, Really appreciation. Uh, he gave got an interview from Mickey and the rest of the, that group. Um, that they are probably going to lean towards that direction. And Ronald Curry was brought in a few years ago and has done a pretty fantastic job with what he was given. And so, uh, and I think you know Drew liked him too back in the, in the day because I think he came in Drew's one of his last years. And uh, yeah, it's that. So much, it's trying to build a new system, uh, you know, because you're that's the reason we got rid of Carmichael because it was Sean Payton's old system that we held on to for too long, pretty much. And it's going to be somebody that can develop a new system. And I'm anxious to see where, where we're going with that. Yeah, they're they're up to 10 candidates they have considered, 10 candidates. And uh, you know they're wanting to be very legitimate about the process, but if they, you know, it's it's tough right now because it has so many openings in the NFL. It's a tough sure. scenario where you're trying to find your guy, and you want to you want to be smart about it. You want to take your you want to take your time, but at the same time, when all these other teams are looking too, you have you run the risk that you're you're going to lose your guy if you start to really zero in. It's been, it's a tough well, process. Well, Ricky, as you and I also know this. This is a business. It's about money. And, you know, just because the Saints want this guy, maybe they don't have the money to offer this one direction or the, the other one. Maybe the, the candidate wants to go there, but when they're offered more money to go here, that's and there's a better opportunity that they get access to becoming a head coach, that's another yeah. issue. You know, here's the other thing, and I think it's something you got to think about. Where you think about Harbaugh, going to the Chargers, or you think about Sean Payton, both of those guys are probably going to be in those jobs for a while. I mean, sure. they're not they're not on one-year deals. They're in a building process, and Harbaugh's brought in to take their very talented quarterback and do something with him, and he's going to be a winner in the league. I mean, I, does anyone doubt that Sean Payton, once he gets his team built around him, is going to be a good coach? Absolutely. But, so what I think plays into the decision – it's a little frustrating for a fan is the fact that with, with with Dennis Allen, he may just have another year. So when you're making a decision about whether you're going to join him or not, you're doing it based on what's what's the runway look like? How, how much time do I have to build a winner? And you may only have a year. You know, if, if Dennis Allen doesn't knock it out of the park, he may not have a job, and the whole deck could get shuffled again. And I'm sure that plays into the decision-making of potential, you know, offensive coordinator candidates. Well, of course. Well, and you have to look at the fact is, you know, when he was with the Raiders, he got fired halfway during his third season. And so, you know, then what if that same scenario happens? Is that offensive coordinator ready to become a, a head coach? That is a warning, I think, in some of the the individuals. I, I'm not necessarily sure. I'm not saying that they do not want that job, but there's there's a lot of testing there. And they have to develop a new offensive game plan. This is pretty much Mickey... And um, and Dennis pretty much tell him, look, 
you come in, you develop this game plan, we're going to go with it. Let's, uh, let's shift gears on the Pelicans. It's been an interesting season. Uh, they have been, they've had not had the real serious injury bugs like they've had in the last two or three years. Uh, Zion has come on strong and then he's kind of fallen off a little bit. You know, they scored a, a one game recently, 153 points. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they've got some great young players. They've got some, some, uh, some good talent. They've got some good leadership. Uh, as uh, Willie Green recently explained, he wants the team to be more mature <laughs> after the most recent collapse. But when you think they start to get their feet underneath them, they start to, they, 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 they prove they're the team that they were a few weeks ago. It's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Ricky, I think with the Pelicans, it's they need to to find either in the trade deadline coming up on February the thirteenth, or sometime during the season. They need to find a player that with the, that's going to help them with momentum. Jose Alvarado was a great defensive player a few years ago, and has still continued his defense. But you can't. He's not ready to play on a starting role in a full time role yet. Trey Murphy is a great three-point shooter, but he's only good at a certain period of time. Herb Jones is a good defensive player, but you they don't have that one player that can help them get over the momentum, whether it be Zion, B.I., or C.J. Those are the, the trio is what they would call them, or what David Griffin would call them, but I don't really think that they, they need somebody to help them cover that momentum. You know, when Zion is on, man, it's it's hard to stop him. Um, in the case of the, if you look back at the games over the, over this past weekend, uh, they were beat by two really good teams. But it was Boston; they they blew an early lead. Um, you know, it, it was a point in the Boston game where you thought, man, they, this they they're going to put it all together in this game. And then, of course, it gets down to the stretch, and and they end up losing the game. Um, and it's extremely disappointing losses. I mean, they the 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 the, the Pelicans are now sitting at twenty six and twenty one overall. They're twelve and eleven on the road. Um, they've had uh, again. They've had moments of brilliance. It will be very interesting to see what they do with in in the trade arena, like you pointed out. It's I wonder what I wonder what they're thinking. Well, I, I'm really thinking that. David Griffin wants a big man down low um, that can be a defender. They tried to do that with Cody Zeller picking him up from the heat. Cody Zeller is not much of any kind of player, let alone. And Jonas Valanciunas is their guy, but he's a scoring guy. He's not a defender at all. So that's what I'm thinking they're looking for, a big guy that can can provide some defense. Yeah, it'd be be so important for them to – to, to, to get that. It's hard to see the lack of defense. Hard to watch the lack of defense. Let me put it that way. Hey, we'll come back on the other side with Hunter Dawkins. We'll kind of zero into Mississippi for a second. Talk about Southern Miss. I'm curious about how can Southern Miss build, build winners in the day of NIL? Be, it's going to be interesting to see what our friend Hunter has to say about that. We'll see you at this, uh, on, the, on the other side after this break. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I'm a friend, Hunter Dawkins, from the Gazebo Gazette. He's also a contributor to Super Talk Mississippi News, writes a wide variety of, of uh, not only news stories for sports, but also writes a column from time to time about topics that are important to him. But as I have said so many times, Hunter is hitting on a bunch of cylinders, and we're lucky to have him associated with our team. That is for sure. You know, I've had uh, I've had some terrific conversations recently with members of the Sports Talk Mississippi gang that we've got some of the most talented sports uh, casters in Mississippi, if not the most talented group. And the podcasts that they have are all incredibly, incredibly successful, I might add. But uh, they own the conversation when it comes to sports talk. They've spent a lot of time recently, though, talking about with uh, with with Nick Saban leaving Alabama, there's kind of a feeding frenzy in this world. So Nick Nick Saban in the in the not pre NIL days, he could build these amazing teams and continue to win, and arguably had a good season this this year, uh, especially when you consider some of the challenges they had, especially at quarterback. But with him out, there's a bit of feeding frenzy out there now. You know, you got teams like Texas that will be coming into the SEC. They're going to hit the ground running in the SEC building, a powerhouse. And just a really interesting conversation about uh, the role that 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 uh, supporters of the university play now, the amount of money that it takes to be successful, uh, the role that that even us as ticket buyers will have to play going forward, so that so that uh, our teams can be com- you know competitive. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have a good cooperative and you're not playing ball in the NIL and you don't have money to 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 attract players, you're not going to win in this league. Um, so I want to bring that down to Southern Miss, but before I do, what's your what's your sort of kind of um, elevator speech on your observations about where we are in college football these days? Well, as I'm sure you know, I knew I remember Michael Porky and uh, and Richard talking across talking with you, Ricky. Uh, it was generally. I think both of their focus was on recruiting. That's more or less where you're going to get the avenue to build programs and not only to build programs, but to be able to do something, you know, um, that can process your university. Southern Miss had a great year this year, recruiting wise from a high school level. Now I'm not necessarily sure. Step in the direction needs to be made, but from that level, Southern Miss has done quite an interesting job, at least from a recruiting level, right at the ballpoint right now. So, And you've got a 12-team playoff, which that's another factor that's going to help bring in this group of five conferences to be able to produce talented teams. Hey, we had a little, just a little skip in, in what you were saying, just for people that wasn't your radio, a little Wi-Fi blip, no problem there. Um, but it's going to be hard for a Southern Miss to compete in the world. And one of the one of the points that Michael Borky play, uh, said is, if you have a if you have an opportunity to get an unproven, really talented kid, or you got an opportunity to attract a really proven, mature kid. He said, you know, some of these guys that they're bringing onto their teams are mature. Are, they're 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 men. You know, some are married with kids, and some have been yep. you know playing for four years. 
Um, so I, I would say the more successful your program, the more opportunities you have to, to attract from other teams some really, really good players that are going to help you win quick. <clears throat> we talked about Ole Miss and the work that they've done. Uh, they don't like the NIL, but they're playing well in that league. <clears throat> but how does a Southern Miss survive in this world? Well, first off, to answer your question, I don't know why Ole Miss doesn't like the NIL. They've done better in the NIL era the last two years than they ever have as a program. And I'm not necessarily saying that they should endorse that opportunity, but I, I mean, I'm definitely not, you know, in favor of them being against that because that, that brings the Ole Miss program in the, the same way. No, just real quick, so just if people are clear, he, he, he doesn't like, and he said it, how the cha- how, uh, how NIL has changed football. He wished that wasn't the case. But since that is the way it is, we're going to be the best at it. And they have proven that they're really good at it. They have Lane as Lane Kiffin coach has done a great job over there with that, and he you know he is definitely of the the type of coach that would help with the transfer portal nil money. That's kind of his philosophy that he's gotten used to, and he's certainly done a great job of that. With Southern, it's you know you really have to build it from the ground up. You really have to start with like they did with their high school and. Uh, their uh, junior college uh, recruiting, at least from this level, they're building at a slow level. Now, I'm hoping that that they can get some uh, transfer portals sometime soon. They do have a great quarterback that came in from Florida State uh, that looks like he's going to compete for the starting job over there. You know, you're never really sure what's going to happen, you know, because I think that, uh, you know, Coach Will Hall said, you know, there was a big – a big plus, at least when last year when he came in with these two transfer quarterbacks who didn't really amount to much at all. But that being said, you have to build it from the ground up. And I think once you get to a group of five level team that you're comp- you can really compete at that level because of the 12 team playoff, you have a really good chance. Hey, listen, what's interesting to me, and I'll never think anything other than this because I spent time in Mobile. And I watched the emergent emergence of uh, University of South Alabama, not only as a you know really well thought out campus and the stadium and all the work that they did, but also the football program. The moment they started that football program and and went at it as seriously as they did, you know they're cherry picking from the same you know areas that Southern Miss would typically uh, get get uh, get football players from. So. You know, southern. You know, the fact is, USA has done well is has been at to some extent at Southern Miss's detriment. So where the where the well, Southern Miss's focus has to be is on continually to recruit, continuing to recruit where does strongly. It come, Ricky, yeah. where does it come from? Recruiting because Kane Womack was a USM graduate that played at USM, and he had that established relationship with those quality players. But also, too, you have high quality staff. Major Applewhite, who was the OC, who got promoted after Kane, um, after he moved over as the DC of the University of Alabama, and of course people are wondering why he did that. And I'm like, well, you obviously don't necessarily know the business of college football now, where it's money and potential future head coaching jobs at the certain level. But at that same right, 
he was making uh, making sure that he took care of the area. And USA had just as many kids this year on their defense from South Mississippi as USM did. I know. And, you know, unfortunately, when Will Hall was, the, was named the head coach, one of the real benefits of Will Hall is that he had he came from a lineage that that had connections into high schools all across this the state, and that was supposed sure. to be an advantage. But to some extent, he kind of lost a little bit of that advantage, didn't he? Yeah, you know, and I think it's it's more of the old school connection, and I know that for myself, trying to be able to reach out to individuals across the state. But you know, I think Will has done a pretty good job of revamping that and using his college connections through uh, Coach Norvell when he coached under him and in University of Memphis. Then when he coached under Coach Fritz at Tulane, he's trying to use a lot more of that avenue rather than just by his, you know, his dad's legendary high school status in Mississippi. Yeah, he certainly got to build it himself. I went to the homecoming game. Southern Miss has done a really good job of uh, making the fan experience before the games. You know, improving it, making it better. I like the way they've you know created great common space for people to set up their tents and all that. That's going to be a good part of Southern Miss's legacy as it relates to that that experience. But it also gave me an opportunity to chat with a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, uh, President Joe Paul came by and visited with us for a little bit. You can tell, man, the natives are restless in Southern at Southern Miss. Uh, they expected last year to be a better year than it was. And I think that, you know, the fact that, uh, that, that, that Joe Paul came out pretty quickly after the season and said we're sticking, you know, he's our guy, Will Hall's our guy, we're going to give him an opportunity. I, I wondered, though, how much runway he's going to have. Well, and I really do, uh, you know, Dr. Paul is, is obviously a good man from down here on the coast originally. Mm-hmm. And just like with Coach Ladner before last year, he'd had a really rough go for the first two or three years at least. And he, you know, he what he said and what uh, Coach Ladner, Coach Jay Ladner, who's the men's basketball coach, said after one of their recent wins over the top, one of the top ranked teams in the, the United States, James Madison, you know, he said this was really an, a true grit, what Dr. Paul said, and he gave a speech where he included, this is USM's true grit. We can stand up with, we can, you know, stay loyal to our following, and we can trust what, that what we're, the avenue that we're headed to is, uh, is the right way. And of course, the baseball team has done phenomenal the last few, four, you know, four or five years. They've had predominant success, and they have a lot of kids from the coast on this team, on the team. Yeah, yeah, baseball's done well. I mean, as you look at look across all the all the sports, Southern Miss has, has really represented themselves well. It's just that the rules on the football side have changed dramatically, and it's what have you done for me today is what matters. And uh, it will be interesting to see how this year goes and whether Coach Will Hall can kind of put it all together. Hey, when we come back with my friend uh, Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette, we'll uh, talk about what else is going on in our world in the final segment. We'll see you after this. Back to more of the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show from the from the uh, Citizens Bank Studio. Hey, listen, I had a book sent to me some time ago by my friend Lindy Sawyer, Sawyer Real Estate. And it's a book called Biloxi Gamble by Brian Bolas. Brian was actually involved in the early days of invent in, uh, of uh, the casino development here in coastal Mississippi. And uh, mostly from memory, he just shares his story. It's a nice little paperback book about 180-something pages long. I'm about three-quarters of the way through it now. And he sent it to me a while back, but I had just it just got buried with a lot of other books that I needed to catch up on. And uh, I'll have Brian Bolas on the, on the show pretty soon to kind of tell his story. It's interesting. Uh, it's a very interesting story. And uh, it's you know wh whether I'm talking to Rick Carter or Terry Green or Bobby Mahoney or uh, Gerald Blessy, Everyone has sort of a different sort of perspective on the developments that occurred here in coastal Mississippi. It's great telling those stories, a reminder of what it took to pull this off, especially after Hurricane Katrina to get special legislation to create land-based gaming. So anyway, yeah, I'll have uh, Brian Bolas on the on the show pretty soon to talk about his book, Biloxi Gamble. Okay, coming back to my friend uh, Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette. You know... Hunter, it's really interesting. The, this in this day of the you know being able to collect millions of dollars from your boosters and the NIL and how that's operated. You know, name, image, image and likeness sort of sort of kind of fell to the wayside where we're you know recruiting teams and pulling from these cooperatives. You know, in some cases, millions of dollars. Um, the strong teams are going to get stronger, and the not-so-strong teams, they could get weaker as a result of this. We don't really know how that's going to play out. Of course, the, the NFL recognized this. This is why they created parity. And it, it, what it enabled is a, is a team like New Orleans or Green Bay to be able to compete with Miami and L.A. and, and San Francisco and the New York teams. And, you know, I think that they have done a – they did a really good job of creating parity. They they have done a really good job of uh, sharing revenue and doing all the things they needed to do. I wonder if the NCAA, excuse me, NCAA will one day try to consider some kind of adjustments to all this to create a little bit more parity. Well, based on the Supreme Court ruling allowing, you know, gambling a few years ago, that's really undermined anything for and allowing NIL development. That really undermined any any sanctions that were placed out by the NCAA. And that pretty much put the NCAA on just a mere, you know, uh, okay, well, they, they try attempt, can attempt to enforce something, but it's going to be appealed to an upper-level court, and it's almost always defeated. And I like what I believe uh, Michael or Richard said one time, that they're no, now known as the the organization NCAA that is great at losing lawsuits. That's one of the, that's one of the things that they're great at. So. Well, the lawsuits, the lawsuits did lead them to a place where they're weaker. That's for sure. In, in Michael Bork and Steve and um, Richard Cross are quick to point that out. Um, you know, the cat may be out of the bag and it may not be pulling it back. It may be, you know, if you're great at, at rallying your boosters and collecting a lot of money and your boosters are willing to, as they have in places like Ole Miss, contribute millions of dollars so we can be competitive now, um, you know, power to you. You know, you see Alabama doing that, Texas doing that. Uh, you know, Texas A&M, you know, you just could go. Auburn's doing it really well now with Hugh Freeze as the coach. Um, that may just be the way it's going to be from now on, you know. And by the way, I was a proponent of paying the kids. 
Of uh, course. I, the, the one point that Michael Borky play, made, though, is that maybe what we need is the players to become employees, and that would kind of well, change the situation. There has to be a salary cap. We can't be yeah. like Major League Baseball where there's no salary cap, and then you can pretty much go and spend whatever. That's one of the reasons that makes successful the NFL is because they have a salary cap. They have teams that have to go within this luxury salary, which even though they can kind of bend it off as the Saints have for the last three or four years, it's it makes it a little bit more of a business atmosphere. And as Coach Lane Kiffin said, we're a business now. We're not even though we're technically student athletes and coaches for public universities, at the utmost, we're employees and we are a business, and that's what we have to treat it like. Hey, hey, Hunter, remind people what Title IX was and what are the Title IX implications you think going forward? Well, I'm not exactly 100% clear on that, but all I to try to give you the fifth grade version, Ricky, is that all sports in the NCAA in in colleges have to provide be able to receive the same amount of money federally in all sports fem- regardless of the gender male or female uh, they don't get more they don't get less they are provided this federal money from the same sports at least um, so that that's my understanding yeah, I, what I what I think going forward is that um, you know football has always paid the bills. Football is going to continue to pay the bills. It will be interesting to see if there are eventually some Title IX implications, and that some of the women's sports are not you know not carrying their weight. That's that's certainly been true for a long time. But that's for another day. It's been a pleasure to catch up with you, my friend. I hope you're having hope you have a, a great week. Absolutely, I'll uh, I'll make sure to send you some pictures uh, at the Senior Bowl because there's going to be certainly a, a quite number of good players out there. Yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I, I, I think you're going to enjoy all the festivities around it as well. This has been Hunter Dawkins from the Gazebo Gazette. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Talk Mississippi Media Production.